To the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And to the show, we are joined by Matthew Harris from Momentum Property to talk about rollover relief. Now, this is part of the new interest deductibility rules, and Matt is here as a property accountant to explain it to us. Now, Matt, in really simple terms, what is rollover relief? Ed, in simple terms, rollover relief is the ability for property investors to change structures without triggering adverse tax consequences, specifically Brightline and a loss of interest deductibility. So if I make it really easy for the dum-dums, i.e. Ed, if you've got a property in a look-through company and you need to move it into a trust for added protection, you can do that without triggering Brightline. Have I got that right? Well, you've got the example right in context, but unfortunately the rules won't allow that. Oh, right. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll get into that shortly, but I think probably just a little bit of background. Rollover relief already existed in legislation. Okay. Yeah, so once I say it, you'll go, oh, yeah. So matrimonial property, rollover relief. So if you split up with a significant other, you used to be able to transfer a property without triggering Brightline. And also for some types of inherited property, you could transfer and or sell that property without triggering Brightline. Okay, so I remember we had a lot of discussion around this with the discussion document coming out originally with the tax changes, and then of course, now we're seeing it actually in practice. So explain what was in the discussion document and how it's actually working in practice now. Yeah, so unfortunately there was quite a difference in the discussion document and what was enacted, which look, given the track record of legislation coming from the current government doesn't surprise me a hell of a lot, but... I think when you look back at why they put these rules in, originally when Brightline was first proposed, it was a two-year period, which was actually a good amount of time. It stopped people outright speculating. Two years by no means is a short period of time. And I thought it worked pretty well. Then it moved to five years in 2018. At that stage, five years was quite a long time. And then obviously for non-new build properties, it's now 10 years. So the government's looked at this and gone, well, originally we didn't think people needed to have some sort of extra rollover relief because surely they can wait two years without having to move structure. Then it got to five years. That time frame's getting pretty long and some people are getting locked into structures. And obviously with a 10-year time frame, that's a huge amount of time for a property investor to be locked into structure. So the general premise of the new rules was the government saying, hey, we think there needs to be some flexibility. There needs to be some commercial reality wrapped around it. Unfortunately, what we got was a pretty watered down version of what was originally proposed. So what's actually been enacted in that case, Matt? Yeah, so what we've got now is basically, it's quite narrow. So individuals can move to and from trusts and individuals can move to and from look through companies. So that what's to stop somebody, if you if we talked before about the example of moving a look through company to a trust, why can't you just go from a trust to an individual and then the individual to the look through company? Well, the governments just have thought of that. So you're not allowed to interpose a third party effectively. So that's just simply not allowed in the rules. The rules, to be honest, are a lot narrower than we had hoped for. And one of the main things that I had hoped to see in the new rules was the ability for LTC shareholders, for example, who might have set up a look-through company originally, maybe 90% to the high earner, 10% to the low earner, at a time when losses were still available and could be offset against high earner's income. And the ability to change that shareholding back, for example, without resetting Brightline or losing interest deductibility, which is what would currently happen. 
And so you're saying that if somebody wanted to restructure that way, they'd still have to wait till the bright lines ended? That's correct. Okay. And so when you say individuals can move to and from trust, so I can move something into a trust and I can move it back under these rules? Yes, theoretically, but you, I think there'd probably be quite a lot of paperwork and admin involved in doing that. I think when you look at the rollover relief in relation to individuals and trusts, that is the most flexible and that's where the most opportunity arises for property investors who want to restructure. But it's still not as simple as just going, okay, I'm going to be in a trust now and back to an individual and then into a new trust. It has to be looked at carefully. The people, the primary settler in both cases has to be the same and the beneficiaries they have to be a part of the group of beneficiaries as well. So it is quite narrow. Okay, so what what you can't do though is go from a trust to a trust or a trust to a look-through company. Yeah, correct. And actually what we'd hope to see was the ability for people to resettle trusts. So to go from one family trust to maybe a new family trust, and there's a number of reasons why people would resettle a trust. But in short, even that is going to be difficult unless it's done really carefully. So would that be something like a change in relationship status where you wanted to add on your partner? Or could you just do Yeah, that? exactly. Yeah. Something like that. Or include maybe a wider group of beneficiaries and a new trust. Mm. Or maybe you're exiting the relationship with a partner. Yes. That is something that rollover relief would still apply to. But it gets difficult when you're using structures such as trusts. Mm. And you said that there were still some opportunities to go from an individual and then into the trust. Talk to us about what those opportunities actually are. Yeah, so I think probably in a good example of where the rollover relief could be used quite well is imagine you have a jointly owned property, a mum and dad, one is a high earner, maybe earning 190000 a year, and the other is uh, has become a low earner, but wasn't originally. So maybe they both started off being high earners and then one stopped working permanently and they've dropped right down in the tax brackets. There's an ability now to take that property from the individuals, put it into a new trust where they're both settlers and beneficiaries, and then you could use that trust to either shelter the income from the property at a maximum of 33% rather than 39%, or direct it other places in the family group. So that's probably one of the prime examples of effective rollover relief. Okay, sure. So in that instance, let's say you had a cash flow positive property that you wanted to live off the income from. If you moved it into the trust, you could then direct any of that cash flow and pay that out to the lower income earner and be taxed at a lower rate. Yeah, that's correct. Rather than maybe it's 50-50 originally. So there's some tax advantages there. And what's the paperwork involved in something like this? So if I'm changing entity, do I still use a sale and purchase agreement? Yes, you do. You still use a sale and purchase agreement because that's a legal document that is required to sell a property from one person to another or one entity to another. So very much that's the first thing you do. It might be that if you're doing an internal restructure that you put that document together yourself rather than a real estate agent or a solicitor, but definitely still needed. And so obviously nowadays with a sale and purchase agreement, you have to have an IRD number as well. Am I going to get a call from the IRD asking me to pay a check for Brightline? Well, not if you apply the rollover relief correctly. Right. So, uh, so who does that and at what stage? Yeah, so I think probably good to talk about the other paperwork required at this stage is because it's not as simple as just doing a sale and purchase agreement and and getting on with your life. If there's debt on the property, you're going to have to approach a mortgage broker and or the bank and ask for refinance or redocumentation of the lending. You are going to need to, if it's going into a trust, for example, you'll need minutes and resolutions. Perhaps that trust has been set up, perhaps it hasn't. Really commonly, the IRD number problem with older trusts is that they don't have one, so you have to go get one. 
And then if maybe you're going to trust back to individuals, for example, then, then you would end up having to wind up or dissolve the trust. So there's quite a few steps involved before you can enact it properly. And tell me as well, what are some misconceptions that property investors potentially have about rollover relief? What are some of the fish hooks? Yeah, so some of the fish hooks, I think, first of all, are lending ability. A lot of people don't understand that if they're going to conduct a restructure or moving of structures, they have to actually approach the bank first to get an approval. Really simply, it might just be a redocumentation of an existing loan. But in the current lending environment, probably it's a full application. If your circumstances have changed, then the bank might not even allow that. So that's the first misconception of fish hook or hurdle. Another one which is probably not well thought about is depreciation recovery. Moving structures may trigger depreciation recovery, which would be an unexpected tax bill, which would be quite ironic if you were moving structures to, (laughs) to try and save some tax. So those are probably two big ones. But I think another one which is maybe unlikely is the risk of further legislative change. So a lot of people will be looking at rollover relief because the structure that they previously had, such as a look-through company, was set up in a time pre-ring fencing where you could still claim losses and also perhaps where you could still claim interest if you are an in-situ investor. So maybe unlikely but could happen, especially if the national government get in, is you restructure, you move structures, and suddenly the losses are available again. Yeah, and you're in a trust. Correct, and you can't distribute losses out of a trust. So these are probably, you know, outline examples, but probably definitely things I'd be thinking about, especially given that the, the rollover relief is quite narrow. Yes. So Matt, I know I had this conversation with you, but just to recap for our listeners, I had a investor ring me up couple of weeks ago and basically the situation was they wanted to do an 80-80-80 loan with Resimax, so 80% against owner-occupied, 80% against an existing investment and 80% against a new investment. Now, Resimac will do this because they can do 80% on existing rentals if it's in the same entity as your owner-occupied, but the issue was the owner-occupied property was in a trust, the existing rental was in a look-through company, the new rental was going to go into the look-through company, but because the owner-occupier isn't in the look through company as well, they aren't able to make this work. And uh, Resimac don't offer cross securities where that counts as one entity, essentially. So I rang you up and said, can't they just use rollover relief and put that property that's in the LTC into the trust? And so the answer is no now. Yeah, yeah, the answer is no. So that was something we expected to see. And unfortunately, because of the rules say individuals to LTC or partnership and vice versa, or trust individuals and vice versa, there's no ability to go to LTC and trust. So that is somewhere where the rules are lacking. And I think the Resimac problem is one that is probably pretty specific to people who get lending from Resimac, yes. but is a pain. Yes. I think the answer I gave to you was, well, you probably only thing you can do is move the own occupied into the LTC. Yes. That would work. And given that there's probably not much else option if they want to secure the lending, Definitely they might like to do that. But when I look at it here, I go, well, it goes against good asset planning. Yes. Whilst there's no mischief, an own home in LTC on its own doesn't create any type of tax avoidance. But obviously, if you try to claim any expenses in relation to it, it would. And you you probably remember, Andrew, the old LAQC days where inlay revenue spent a lot of time hunting down people who put their own home into an LAQC yes. and were claiming tax rebates. Yes. And probably that's the beginning of the end of our LAQCs. I think the word I want to use is optics. It just doesn't look very good, even if you're not up to anything. Yes, yes, that's um, what I was thinking. 
Yeah, and it's, you know, I, it's quite difficult because I'm a pragmatic person. I, I like to see a client buy the property, start to grow their wealth and move forward. But also, it seems if that was me, I'd probably go back and try to find a different lending solution first. Mm-hmm. The other, only other way that it would work, and this probably only works for new purchases, optically it can look a lot better if a new purchase goes into a trust and maybe they're occupied into a trust. Yes. Not your scenario, but... But yeah, that would work a bit better because I think it's probably a little more widely accepted that trusts yes. sometimes have mixed assets, yes. although I wouldn't yes. recommend that either. Right, let's wrap it up there, but yeah. please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, come to our upcoming webinar. It is on next Tuesday. That's the 13th of September at 7pm. You're going to learn how to buy your first or your next investment property. Links down in the show notes or just go to opuspartners.co.nz. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. And I'm Nicole. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.